Hello and welcome to Dragon Vibes, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of your hosts for Dragon Vibes. This week we're joined by Dr Maddie Adams. She's one of the oncology consultants based in the University Hospital of Wales. She's going to discuss applying for and interviewing for the Oncology Grid programme with one of our newest hosts for Dragon Bites, Kellen Kenny. You might remember from our episode about health promotion for S4C, the Welsh Language Channel. So if you're considering a career in oncology, or if you've already decided on it and you're applying this year or next year, give this one a listen. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another one of our Career Grid Dragon Bites podcast. You're joining me today is Kaylin Kenny. Hope you're all still understanding my very strong Welsh accent and haven't switched off yet. So today we're talking about oncology um, and I've been fortunate for the last six months I've been working on the oncology ward in the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff um, and I'm joined today by one of the consultants that I've been working with so um, I'd like to welcome Maddie Adams. Hello. Um, so we'll just start Maddie if you could just introduce yourself and tell us where you work obviously I've spoiled the surprise there mm-hmm. slightly um, and um, then we get going with the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. So um, I'm uh, Maddie Adams. I'm consultant paediatric oncologist at the Children's Hospital for Wales. Um, and I've been working here as a consultant now for just over two years. Um, and it's my first consultant job. So why did you choose paediatric oncology? So um, basically, I worked, I always, I've always found the whole um, sort of science behind cancer. And I particularly when I was in medical school, school really enjoyed haematology and found the sort of lectures and things really interesting but then when I was an SHO in paediatrics I did a, I was given a six-month post in paediatric oncology and it was then really that I realized that you know it was a specialty for me um, I really enjoyed um, the clinical side um, I think it's and I think it's a specialty where you can kind of make a real difference to both the patients and their families um, and also I enjoyed the fact that it's very research-based and that you are treating patients constantly in clinical trials, so you're constantly improving things all the time for families. And so, um, and also, when I when you compare it to the haematology training pathway, it's relatively more straightforward to do paediatric oncology because you stay within the paediatric training and don't have to do the kind of adult side, which you have to do for haematology. So I found that more appealing. And how long ago did you complete your training? Uh, it was three years ago now, I think. Yeah, in it's hard to remember. Yeah, about three years ago, because I did a locum post for a year before I did a consultant post. So yeah. And that was all here. In yeah, Cardiff. and well, partly. So my grid training was split between here and Bristol. So I did eighteen months in Bristol, um, and then did my final twelve months in Cardiff. Lovely. What about the training programme? What did it involve? For paediatric oncology? Yeah. Um, so you, um, I applied for, I initially applied for grid training in ST4, um, but I wasn't successful the first time round. Um, and then, so then I took um, some time out of programme and did some research and then applied again at ST5. And essentially, 
the grid program can either be for two it's for your final two or three years of training depending on at what point you enter it um, and you have to do you have to do um posts in solid tumor oncology including brain tumors hematology and uh, bone marrow transplant so if you go to a center where they don't have a transplant unit then they usually have they're usually coupled with a center that do so that you spend six months post doing transplant as well so how long in total is the um, oncology grid because we learned from neuro there's a slightly longer because they actually have to cross into the adult world is on oncology is different yes yeah it's different i think the minimum is two years and the longest is three years and it depends where at what point you enter the training so if you end up doing i think if you do a three-year grid post then they do recommend that you usually do six months of a kind of allied specialty so you would do two years within oncology and then you and, and the transplant and hematology and then for example they might suggest that you do six months of neuro because obviously we work closely with them from the brain tumor side and also or maybe PICU or something like that you know as a kind of um so you don't wouldn't spend the whole three years necessarily in oncology but it is it is still just part of the same grid program I did a two-year um, so mine was two years so I did well it was actually ended up being two and a half years but that was because of being slightly part-time after having kids um, that's good to know that you can do yeah. it part time yeah so I did 80% so I used to work four days so I did um, my first 18 months in Bristol was full time and then my final year was um, 80% in Cardiff um, and then I ended up doing three months of palliative care at the end just while waiting for consultant so that actually leads quite nicely into the next question what posts did you do in total in that time so I did, so within the 18 months in Bristol, I did six months in solid tumour oncology, six months in haematology, so, and that's mostly malignant haematology, but there is some of the benign haematology um, stuff as well, and then I did six months in transplant, then I came, then I was on maternity leave, then I came to Cardiff, and then in Cardiff it's, it's not so split like that, so I was within paediatric oncology, and that finished off my training, and then and then I did, yeah, then I applied for a kind of um, standalone palliative care post, which was meant to be for six months, but I only did it for three months because then I got consultant. It's worth finishing it early for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what are the specific requirements you have to achieve by the end of training? Um, so there's a, within the kind of um, e-portfolio and the um, RCPCH curriculum there's some specific competencies that are specific to paediatric oncology, haematology and transplant so you kind of have to demonstrate all that in the e-portfolio. You obviously have to have all of your competencies from your training up until that point so the um, level one, level two two, and and all of the child protection and all the APLS and all those sort of mandatory things Um, and then you have within the grid within your grid training you haven't so you have your ARCPs obviously within your deanery but then you also have an annual grid assessment and that's a bit like the interview but but essentially we always used to go to London for it and they they assess you by basically there's a panel and you go in they give you a few clinical scenarios then you have to critically um, appraise a paper that they give you and also then they just ask you how everything's going a bit like an ARCP and so you have to pass both of those components to kind of progress each each year yeah and then at the end you do start same as everybody else and then yeah 
quite intense that <laughs> having an interview every year. Yeah, it's not so bad actually because oh, okay. once you've done it the first time, you know what it's going to be like. Cause it's the mm. same every year. It's always the same two clinical scenarios, one critical appraisal of a paper, and then a sort of general, so you know what to expect. Chat, yeah, and and they really drill into how to critically appraise papers. So it's quite once you've done it a few times, it's quite straightforward. Mm, that's okay. And they don't give you any. They don't give you really hard ones. They usually either really good or terrible <laughs> so it makes it a bit easier yeah, for you yeah yeah and is it a nice social being able to see people or is it um it's quite good because there's obviously the other grid trainees are there at the same time yeah. and so you do get to find out how people are doing around the country and there's also um within the pediatric oncology um network there's a pediatric oncology trainees group um that is basically a group that's set up by all the there's grid trainees but there's also non-grid trainees in it who have an interest in oncology they may want to do shared care or they might just be thinking about applying for the grid and I joined it when I was an SHO and they have meetings it used to be they had um, meetings every six months where and it would be a, a grid trainee in each hospital would organize it so I organized one in Cardiff for quite a long time ago now 2011 I think it was um, and then you know you you go there usually it's for a weekend and the local consultants will give lectures on various whatever their expert thing is but then that's quite a good kind of networking and because it's quite a small field and these people are going to be your colleagues when you get you know to be consultants and so we always ask each other for advice about various patients because different obviously consultants around the country have different expertise so so it's good to know who people are Um, and it's also good just to kind of um yeah, just find out what the opportunities are really in other hospitals and things as well it's nice to, yeah. and learn from each other I yeah guess. yeah so what general advice would you offer trainees who are thinking about or are in the process of applying for the for pediatric oncology yeah so I think if you are interested in oncology it's good if possible and I know it's always difficult with the whole where how the training pathways are but if you do recognize it fairly early on and to make contact with the local, you know, your local paediatric oncology or haematology department and, and just basically get some advice because um, there's lots of things you can do before you get to the point of applying to kind of strengthen your application because if you, because when you go, when, when you're applying for oncology, it's the same I'm sure with all the grid specialties, they want to see that you've demonstrated an interest um, and so it may be that they're, and, and most consultants have got various projects ongoing that they would always be very happy to have some help with so it would always be useful I think to approach people tell them you're interested um you know try and attend some clinics maybe do some taster days or weeks whatever you can do as part of your deanery see whether you really like it um it I you know some deaneries are flexible and if you asked for a post within that specialty you know they hopefully would be able to facilitate that and that's certainly what I did once I'd done my SHO post. I then asked to do a reg- another registrar post in my core training um, to see whether I you know, still found it as you know, the same at the registrar level. The, the kind of application processes, I think, is similar to everything. They look, they look at all kind of aspects of your CV. So, you know, if you have a particular interest in teaching or whatever, you know, then that's obviously a strength. And... It used to be that people used to think that you could only get on the oncology grid if you kind of had a PhD, and it's not really like that anymore. You know, they do recognise other other attributes that are not just research. I mean, also research is quite a big part of oncology, but it's not kind of the, the having, all and end had, all. yeah. And having a lab 
based or a kind of um, that kind of PhD isn't necessarily a, a requirement, but they obviously do look for sort of various you know, things that might make you a little bit different or certain things that you've done, you know, that would be attributable to, to oncology as well. And obviously commitment to specialty is a big thing. Yeah. So how can trainees maximise their chance of point scoring to just get that interview? So I think, on as far as I can kind of remember, on the scoring form, so if you can manage to get a presentation or a publication within the specialty, then that will, you know, get you certain points. Um, you get points for, for teaching. There is a whole section about commitment to specialty, so all the different things you've done. Um, but my advice would be to try and get something in kind of each area sure, yeah. so that you and, and maximize what you do, you know, because a lot of things we do, you don't, you know, you think, oh, that was only a small project, but actually, you know, it's still worth putting down. It may have made a difference. And if you presented it locally within your department, you know, then it's, you know, it's important. Um, and, you know, as with all things, it's, it's ideal if that is kind of followed up. So even if you've done a project and it's not then been re-audited, you know, if, if you find out that someone else has re-audited it, then that's, you know, um, useful to put down as well. So how can, um, so actually you've answered that, the next question as well, and how we can improve our score on the application. What about um, leadership years? Have you have you done, I, you, I know you took a year out to do research. Um, is there any other advice from taking a year out that trainees could benefit from? Yeah, so you could. I didn't do one of the leadership or management um, fellowships, but I do know some people that have, and I do think if it, you know, it is a useful, is a useful thing, and it it does obviously help you score points on the, um, on the form. Um, I'm not sure I would necessarily do it just for that reason, but that's a, it's you know, it's a personal training thing, preference, training preference. yeah and, and I think it does give you I think what those posts give you is an insight into kind of how the hospital runs and and sort of all the the sort of management stuff that goes on behind the scenes which you do learn once you become a consultant but I think you're not so exposed to during training because you just don't see it when you're on the wards all the time and but, you don't have the time sometimes you just no. want to get through the days when it yeah. gets really busy yeah um, and then some people go, you know, to, you know, other centres and do like an out of program experience in, you know, either in a different country or in a different specific centre that's got, you know, if you have a specific interest in a certain area of oncology or something, you might want to go and do do an out of program experience. But most people would do that, I think, once they'd already got onto the grid rather than before. And obviously, yeah. solid tumours is your thing in Cardiff. Yeah. How did it lead? How did you lead into solid tumours? Um, well, I've always had an interest in sarcoma, so I have. Um, I'm on the one of the national um, research groups for that. Um, and basically, I think, obviously, when you know when you get a consultant job, you've got to try and find your place in that department, isn't it? And we're, we're very lucky here in Cardiff that everyone's quite flexible, and we all kind of agree, you know, that we were happy to, you know, work and basically manage all all tumor types really. But in terms of a research interest, sarcoma is always always been the interest um it tends to be split between solid tumors and leukemias anyway there's not many oncologists that sort of manage leukemia on a day-to-day -day basis obviously we do out of hours but but yeah it's just um i think that's just how i've developed how we developed the research interest really and taken it from there um and obviously i don't think you can really apply for a grid 
course in the specialty if you haven't done a proper job in it. Um, so say if there's a trainee ST1, ST2 and they've got, they're thinking in the back of their minds, well, maybe I want to do oncology. You said about taste days. Is there anything else they can do to get that flavour of oncology? Well, if, if, I think if someone's really interested at that early stage, then there's plenty of opportunities, hopefully, to work in the specialty, isn't it? So I would mm. contact the training programme director and ask to be placed in the specialty, um, because most training pro- programme directors, as far as I've you know, the experience here, is that they have been They're relatively accommodated. Yeah. yeah, and it may be that you, you know, it may not be the exact six months that you want, but, you know, usually, um, you know, that you will be able to get a post. I know that some grid centres don't have SHOs working um, in oncology as a kind of day-to-day job. Um, And so I guess for that, then you would end up doing it more kind of through tasters and through attending clinics and things like that. But I think, yeah, the most important thing would be to discuss it with the the training programme director and, and sort of ask them how best they can support you in that interest. Because it's a relatively, um, it's a specialty really, I think, that doesn't have, you know, not everybody wants to do oncology. No. So you would, if someone does have an interest, then really, it's the same with the other specialties, isn't it? That really they should try and support you in that. And obviously I can imagine you'd be very, well, you are very approachable to work with and you'd probably be more than happy to be contacted by trainees for advice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the same if someone's applying for the grid. Um, hopefully we would know them anyway if they were local <laughs> to our centre but yeah of course you yeah. get advice come and see us see you know we'll do our best to support you know any trainee in the department who has an interest we do our best to support them um, and of course you know look at the application and, all, and, and everything like that as well mm. so moving on to the interview now yeah I know you said earlier about the interview you can't remember how long it was and I think once you could do an interview you lock it away in that side of your head because you just survived it but um what can trainees do to get ready for um this interview if they are successful from their application so yeah i can't remember exactly how, how long it was it was somewhere around 40 minutes i think but um basically i would so i would advise speak to other people who've already had an interview because you know they'll be able to advise you most of these interviews are quite um structured and tend to be similar year to year so in terms of the actual structure of the interview then you can get advice I would um, practice so find consultants or find people who are willing to give you a mock interview and try to do it as as if it is the real thing Um, which is always hard when you're being interviewed by people that you know very well but the more you can practice, I think, and the more you can kind of um, hone the answers to the questions that are obvious, you know, um, then, you know, that's that's helpful. Um, and then there's lots of kind of um, advice online and books and things about the medical consultant interview. Um, oh, sorry, not to but but, you know in terms of like interview techniques and things like that Um, is there any specific resources for oncology um that um, you advise so it's within the within the um pediatric oncology trainees group they there is um facilities so they have a a kind of um, online page which has advice and also they um i think i think they even do a whole kind of day on the preparation for interviews yeah 
Um, there's, as far as I'm aware, I don't know of any other kind of specific resources, but um, I think, yeah, if, if someone really is interested, I would definitely recommend they join the Pediatric Oncology Trainees Group because they know all of the kind of up-to-date stuff and they're all in contact with the, um, the CSAC, which are the people who run mm. the, the GRID programme. So, you know, in terms of the structure of the interview, because it's pretty much always the same. And um, obviously, when it comes to any interview, there's a structure to answer any question. Is there anything specific for oncology the trainees need to be aware of? or Because um, I know when I spoke to um, other trainees with um, other specialities, they advised, you know, the um, clinical, what is it, the medical registrar book. Is there any other resources you can think of that would be beneficial in terms of how to answer the question yeah or um, is it just the practice i think it's practice but also i think yeah trying to get some structure to your answers yeah. so if you are having a if it's a clinical scenario then obviously just try and go through it in a systematic way in the same way that you would normally mm. you know whether you, you know when you're calling a consultant for advice or that you know you're thinking about the s bar or something like that yeah. you know, just try and go through it in a systematic way because then you're less likely to kind of forget things yeah I don't know of any more kind of written resources that doesn't mean there aren't any it's just I'm not aware of any um but yeah I think just my advice for the interview would be to practice clinical scenarios and then because the way you answer a clinical question is similar no matter what the scenario mm -hmm. is isn't it to a certain extent um, and then in terms of the answers to questions around why you want to do the post, what you think you can bring to the post, or you know, all this kind of thing, you can you can at least, even if you can't prepare the exact answer, because you, and it's important not to do that, because they will word the question slightly differently, and you don't want to answer the wrong question, but you can think about things that you want to tell them about you, isn't it, and how yeah. you're going to bring that into and each question, yourself, and sell yeah. yourself, yeah, and then just adapt it to whatever they ask you. Because there'll be things that you will would have done that you want them to know about, yeah, exactly. and you've got to fit it into that interview framework. And so you can sort of train yourself to think, well, you know, they've this asked is... that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna answer them, but I'm gonna tell them about this as well because I want them to ask me about yeah, that next. Yeah, 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 or just you know, so that you can make sure you've told them that you've done it. You know, yeah. So that because there may not be another opportunity, but you do need to make sure you answer the question. Yeah. So what some people will do is go into an interview and they're so fixated on what they want to tell the people that they haven't necessarily listened to what they're being asked. Um, so you do need to make sure that you answer the question. But there are sort of ways of getting in, you know, where you can use. So if they ask you um, about something, you, you can use an example of what you've done to illustrate the answer or something like that. And do you remember what sort of questions come up, tend to come up? So, so definitely they will, they will ask clinical scenarios yeah. and they're relatively straightforward, but they will have an oncology, um, it, they will be oncology based. So they do, they do expect some knowledge of oncology. So, um, and you know, they may ask you about some side effects of chemotherapy or, you know, how you would approach a new patient with, I don't know, an abdominal mass or something like that. And, um, and then, um, so there's there's those and there's usually I think at least two I think there's two clinical scenarios it was a long time ago since I did mine but um, and then there was a critical appraisal of a research paper which you, they usually give you on the day beforehand so they don't give it to you um, in advance of the interview but they give it to you on the day um, before the interview so you get about half an hour to prepare or so and so it's worth doing that 
practice mm. because you know there's quite a systematic way of grading papers and then how you present it back to people um sometimes there's a presentation as well so sometimes before the interview they will tell you um this is what you're going to be talking about and you need to prepare a 10 minute presentation or something like that or five minutes and five minutes for question um and obviously if, if you do that if they do that then you can take advice from colleagues and things to help you help you prepare for that um and then they and then they usually ask you questions you know about yourself what you know what you can bring to the role or what you know those kind of questions why you want oncology um yeah that's the basic structure i think um obviously it changes slightly year to year but that's certainly how it's been and and it's very similar and at the grid assessments they are very similar to the interview and just to finish then is there one top tip or one thing you wish someone would have told you when you were applying for grid that you could pass on to trainees now? I mean, I was very well supported from here, to be honest. And the um, consultants were very supportive of me and, um, you know, gave me lots of advice. But I think the most important thing is to, if you, is basically as soon as you think you might be interested, whether it's oncology or any other grid specialty, make let people know that so that you can start because even from very early on you can start doing small things that then kind of build your cv and work towards that you know you gain in that that grid specialty so i think that that's the most important thing i think is to prepare you know as early as possible um so that you've got time to build your cv and also to find out if you really like it because you know i think we never know until you actually work in a job and it's difficult, it's different working at, low, at SHO level and middle grade level. Yeah. Um, and working at middle grade level in a grid specialty is much more similar to what it would be like as a consultant, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the, that's the most important thing, I think. Just prepare early and use the resources that you have in your hospitals and let people know that you're interested. Because yeah. most people really want... Um, people to be interested in their specialty and um you know therefore would be more than happy to support people who are interested through the process because you know once you've done it you can easily support other people isn't it I think and you want to feel like you've achieved something by bringing someone else into the job well yeah and medicine's about succession planning isn't it yeah exactly (laughs) um, you know you want you want your department to grow and you want um, you want the future of whatever your specialty is um, to develop and to get better so that you deliver a better service for the children, isn't it? So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's what, um, yeah. So, and there's a good, I think within paediatrics generally, there is quite a good mentorship um, yeah. sort of experience, I guess. And that's certainly what I experienced. Um, the consultants, both in Bristol and Cardiff, were very supportive and very, you know, kind of took the time to make sure that you're developing the CV properly and doing all the things you need to do. So, yeah, I think we're like we're lucky in paediatrics for that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, thank you, Maddie. I'm sure people have found that very interesting. I know I found it very helpful and interesting um, after completing the last six months working in the department. Um, so thanks for joining us. And if I'm sure... I know from personal experience the team in Cardiff is so supportive, so friendly, and if anyone does have an interest, they'd be more than happy to support and just advise. Yes, of course, definitely, yeah. Yeah.
And if there's any ST1s, ST2s who are thinking about oncology and not sure what speciality job to try for ST3, I can only recommend the oncology job. So thank you for listening. And I just want to say thank you to both Dr. Maddie Adams and to Kelly and Kenny there for that podcast. That was really helpful. It's worth bearing in mind for any of you who are applying this year or maybe even next year in 2021, that the effects of COVID might mean that the interview process is very different. So we strongly recommend heading to the Royal College's website for a more up-to-date guide as to exactly what stations will be and will not be present in your interview. Join us again next week. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.